0: Ladies and gentlemen,
1: now hosting the RizzoCast. Put your hands together for Steven Rizzotto.
0: Alrighty, what is happening, everybody? And welcome. My name is Steven Rizzotto. I cover the San Francisco Giants for SFA. Bay. And the host of RizzoCast, a podcast that features current and former big league players, coaches, fans, media, and others who are regarded as some of the brightest minds around the game of baseball. And today's a very special episode because for the first time in the podcast history, I am not recording from my residence in Pacifica, California. And instead, uh, I recorded this live inside the, the newsroom podcast room at san francisco state university so shout out uh the uh, the team over there at the golden gate express which i'm now a part of i'm a reporter for the uh the student-run newspaper at san francisco state university and i was in a bit of a time crunch and they let me record inside the uh the studio so that's pretty awesome uh hopefully you'll see in here some of the cool uh, impact i still i still had my stuff but it was cool to be in there uh and today's guest is jessica kleinschmidt Uh, a baseball reporter and media personality who has accumulated over 60,000 followers on Twitter. She's very well-known in the baseball world. And after stints uh, writing for FanDuel, MLB.com, NBC Sports Bay Area, Jess is now a multimedia producer for the Oakland A's, where she's a staple uh, in their radio broadcast team, and, uh, and and in conducting player interviews as well. And earlier this month, she started a brand new gig with AwfulAnnouncing and The comeback.com where she'll be writing features and other articles, along with uh, recording on air segments. Uh, by the way, we rec- we recorded this the day after uh, National Women and Girls in Sports Day, which uh, comes up in our conversation. She's an advocate for women in sports, women in baseball. And we have a really good conversation. We talk about her media career, making it in a male-dominated business, uh, her baseball origin story, the upcoming Oakland A's season, and so much more. It's all coming up next on RizzoCast. This is episode number 130. And without further ado, let's get started. All right, we are back with Jessica Kleinschmidt on RizzoCast. And Jess, I know you mentioned that you do a lot of these. And I really want to make this one unique because you do so many of these and I feel like it gets repetitive after a while. You get asked the same questions, but uh, I'm hoping to change the narrative this time. So I'm excited to have you on.
1: I will say I haven't done one of these in a little bit because I had a lot of stuff that like was waiting in the, yeah, I told you I wanted to wait till like contracts were Mm -hmm. signed. Um, But you're my first one since signing my two new contracts. So boom. And my new camera you are killing
0: it. Yes. Yeah. New camera and first one after the new gig. And let's talk yeah. about that new gig. Awful announcing. So that is, uh, mm-hmm. that's kind of a site that's been around for a while. I read it because I find myself very like consumed with news on sports media. Yes. Like uh, you're probably familiar with Steve Berman, the Bay Area sports guy. Like sure. I used to read all of his col- like columns and stuff. He does a great job. But what kind of went into, uh, into landing with the uh, awful announcing crew?
1: Well, I'm right there with you. I loved Awful Announcing. They wrote an article on me once before, um, not necessarily for good stuff. Um, It was a weird situation I had with this crazy blogger, neither here nor there. Um, But I saw they had an opening and I reached out to the owner because like I said, I've talked to him before with um, being on and being in an article, giving him some quotes. And I said, hey, like I could use a side gig on top of my A stuff. I miss writing. Um, I don't know like what else that means, but I applied for the job. And they said, well, we'd love to have you on, but we would like to utilize you a little bit more. And the owner, uh, Ben Koo, who is a fabulous human being, literally one of the nicest people in the world said, he sat me down and asked me what I ultimately want for my goals and my career. And I like to pride myself on being the Mike Trout of baseball, sports, media. I want to do all five tools. I want to do writing. I want to do the podcast, the radio, television, every social media and digital, all the things. And I'm lucky enough where my past- Caught up with me and I'm able to do all of that. So then they said, Well, we'd love to have you writing, but like, let's get you a show again. And if you're like me and you've been involved in social or the media for a long time, you have a graveyard in your background full of former podcasts you've been a part of. I have like three or four that are buried in the backyard, but I've missed it a lot. So he's like, Let's give you a show as far as like podcasting goes, so I can revamp that aspect of my career. And then a little fun project that's more of a surprise for people um, as well. So, you know, between the writing, podcasting, the show, I'm kind of back to being the Jess that I've always wanted to be. And it's a lot of work, but I thrive on chaos and being overwhelmed. And it's nothing I've never done before. During my time with NBC, I was doing all of that as well. So I get to do that. Um, And I just re-upped my uh, contract with the A's. So I'll be doing that as well. So I'll be able to, my favorite part is, of course, being at the ballpark. So I get to Mm -hmm. utilize my new gig on top of the stuff that I'm doing with the A's. So it's just going to be a really fun season.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned something really cool there. You mentioned that uh, you're excited to get writing again. And I feel like, you know, a lot of, a lot of journalists, they go from, you know, they're, they're writing for a newspaper or a website and then they go to TV and then they don't return ever. Like Stephen A. Smith is the one that comes to mind, a columnist for a while writing for,
1: I forgot he was a yeah. columnist. Yeah. Everybody does. Cause he's yeah. just so
0: good at what he does now, but mm-hmm. a lot of people just don't go back to it, but you, you were hungry to to write again.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I thought I could just like blog on the side. N- nobody was stopping me from blogging. It's just a little bit better when it's in a reputable site, not saying I'm not reputable, but my, you know, medium.com blog can only go so far. Um, but it also shows I, I wrote a blog when Trevor May was signed to the A's. And, you know, people, Mets fans in particular are going to read that. And I wanted to honestly just look and see who was reading my stuff and you have the good analytics. And when I was searching for a writing gig, I could refer to that And that's always good because it doesn't matter what retweets and stuff are. You want to dig into the analytics, who's clicking on the article, who are those, you know, organic reads, the new reads and all of that com score comes to mind. And so that's why I was doing it. But it's also like, I love, I love the written word. I think it's a communication style that's never going to die. And I can write an article and then quick, do a quick hit about it and vice versa. If I want to do a podcast, I can write two to three articles about that. And I've just always had a knack for writing and I love poetry and I love quotes. And I feel like, you know, it's a little bit different now that people are working from home. You don't have to worry about bosses hearing a video. You can just, you love the fact that you could write because people that were working can still read your stuff, but they can do both now. And I think that's important, but it's something that I've loved since I was a little girl. Um, I sucked at math, but I could write a damn good story, a damn good article. So I'm, I'm happy to reintroduce that into my career.
0: Nobody in journalism likes math. It's the worst. I'm glad I got it out of the way yeah. quick. It's... No,
1: it's it's true. And so when I meet somebody who's good at math, I'm like, um, congratulations. And I don't know if you went through this because when I was in high school, like algebra, like how dare you introduce numbers and letters together. But when stats came about, I was like, I love this. And mm-hmm. then luckily that became a huge part of my job as well. Because stats, I love. I could do that all damn day. Um, graphs, I loved. But you introduced introduce Algebra and calculus, like I'm leaving. No, thank you. Yeah,
0: no. My like motto was like, if a cop pulled me over on the side of the road and said, like, to solve to to get out of the speeding ticket, yeah, you need to find X. Like, like that would never happen. Like,
1: me.
0: <laughs> none of it's realistic. None of it's there's nothing in algebra that's like. Re- I guess maybe like the mental like problem solving, like knowing yes. that you're solving problems, but. Like stats, like yeah, that that would work. Like if there's a class on financial literacy, like bring it on. I think we yeah, all need that. Absolutely. But algebra's stupid, so we just have to get that out of the way. And by the way, rest That's in peace, true. the Jessica Klein Schmidt Substack December, like th- maybe three articles, right? So, I think it was two. <laughs> it had a good run. It, it didn't have run. a good
1: run. I, you know, I think I could have turned it into a sub stack if I wanted to, mm-hmm. but that's a lot of work. Now I have amazing people to help me like make my articles look good. So that's yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. Do you know, like what kind of stories you're going to be writing? Because I know like media, yeah. media reporting is a lot different. It's not really like the game stories or like, maybe there's some player features here and there, but like, yeah. you're going to be focusing a lot on your colleagues. So is that going to be a little different for you?
1: No, they're, they can suck it up. But I also, (laughs) for the awful announcing stuff, I have to be very careful. Like I'm not going to throw Melanie Newman under the bus or anything like Mm that. Um, I do do that to her face, but um, I, for, and I'm also doing the comeback. The comeback is like their sister website as well. So just fun stuff. I don't know how long you've been following my career, but I used to work at cut four. And that was back when they had bloggers. I was writing the fun, unique stories. And that's something I've always kind of had a niche for because, niche niche whatever it's kind of like jiff and giff GIF jiff and gif whatever you want to call it but i i wanted to be different because you mentioned game stories are fine i feel like when you look at a press box a lot of the, the beat writers are writing the important stuff don't get me wrong but that's 80 percent of the media i want to kind of do all the other fun stuff i have a an article coming out um but i won't leak it but I've talked about it before, but I'm doing it again. But the first article I wrote for the comeback was the fact that Eric Burns sacked Tom Brady three times in high school. Those are the kinds of things that I like. You know, we all know Tom Brady's retiring. We know Giselle put out a statement about it. We know he went to, took his talents to a beach and announced it. I want to be like something different. Like, oh, speaking of Tom Brady, let's not forget that this happened. I love evergreen stuff. Um, I love, they even said they like my features more. So I like that. I just want people to know my subjects and who I'm interviewing. And at the end of the day, you know, when you cover baseball, it's a very long season. Um, you get the same, you know, you're talking to the pitcher every fifth day and, you know, he understands that he needs to say certain things, whether his outing goes good or bad, but I want to talk to him the day after that, you know, I want to see, like, did you go home and study film like crazy? Um did you mess up so badly where you couldn't even see yourself and study film? Like, I want to talk about that stuff. Cause at the end of the day, you do talk to them so much. and You want to, you really want to know more about them and you want people to pay attention. And even if you have a friend, cause I wrote an article about Mark Canna a couple years back and he signed a potato once. And I saw a photo of him doing that. And I thought, why isn't anybody asking Mark Canna about this? So my editor immediately was like, go ask Mark Canna about the potato. And I did. And it was so weird and quirky. And I can get away with that stuff. I'm not saying people don't take me seriously, but they're going to be like, I bet you Jess Kleinschmidt wrote the potato article and mark canna mm-hmm. gave me a beautiful quote some derivative of you always you'll never forget your first potato that you signed and just stuff like that and I, that's the stuff that i love it's the stuff that people who may not love sports will pay attention to and we want people to be interested in what you're writing about and that's my all my personal goal if you don't like baseball if you don't like what i'm writing about that's fine But I, I would like to know, like, if you're curious about the pop culture side or like a really cool Mm -hmm. conversation I had or, or about Max Homa and how he wants to bring more entertaining factors into golf as we consume the content. I think that for me is really important because let's be honest, I, you know, my boyfriend's into golf and people that I've dated in the past are into golf. Like you want to know what they're what the. Fuss is all about and stuff like that. So, for me, it's a good challenge, and I like being able to write about multiple sports on top of it all. And the beauty of that is, too, if I don't, if I can't tell you things about golf, I can still have a good conversation with a player or somebody working behind the scenes and still write about it.
0: Exactly. Because at the end of the day, before they're athletes, they're also human beings. Yeah. And, um, that actually leads me into my next thing. I, I read something that you you were quoted on in a story oh, and yeah. you said, quote, I remembered being such a nerd when it came to baseball, beyond the stats, beyond the weird stuff that people are assess, obsessed with, spin rates and everything like that. I wanna think about these guys as the heartbeat underneath their uniform. Uh, so based on that, do we do like a disservice to where, you know, we we see, we just talked about stats. We, we talk about spin rate, launch angle, all this stuff in baseball. Is it starting to get lost kind of the the aspect where like these people have families and they come from different backgrounds and the fans like they yeah, they could they could memorize a guy's stat line, but they don't know like what happened to him in the minor leagues and how he struggled and how he's back better than ever all these like inside baseball stories like is it a disservice with a lot of analytics coming into the game that that's kind of being written about more than the you know, the stories, you know, in between the ears or whatnot.
1: I feel like you have to stay true to the statistics because people need proof. They need a number attached to certain things. And that's with every aspect of life. But yes, I think that that's very important because like I said, I think about Tony Kemp and there's times I'll be talking to him and I was like, Oh shoot, I should ask you a baseball question. And he himself told me, I want people to know me as a good man and then a good husband and then a good father and then a baseball player. And I feel like I love bringing that aspect out to people. And specifically with Tony, my best friend was in town um, coming to a New York Yankees game because she married a Yankees fan. And so I got her tickets. I got her on the field and I was just excited to introduce her to Tony Kemp. She couldn't tell you if what position he played. She couldn't tell you if he was um, batting first or second that day. She just wanted to meet Tony Kemp that I bragged about and she did. And then the best part was, but she didn't even get like fangirled because she was like, Oh, it's a, it's Tony, the guy you talk about all the time. Um, I feel like everybody should fangirl over Tony Kemp because he's a wonderful human Mm. being and a damn good ball player, but it's the same thing too. Like for him, like you think about the veteran status, think the Steven boats of the world, the Brandon belts of the world, they're always going to find a job because I hate, I don't want to be the person to say you're a good clubhouse guy. But you also have to remember those guys continue to get jobs because those are so imperative to a really good, solid team. They'll eventually maybe, you know, go into a coaching role. and I mentioned vote, something like that, because, you know, we look at Mark Kotze, a very young team. And he had the Jed Lowry. He had um, Elvis Andrews. He had Stephen Boat at the beginning of the season. And he leaned on those older guys Mm -hmm. as far as being a manager, because this was his first year and he's not that far removed from being a player. You think about Gabe Kapler, same thing. He must've leaned in maybe on the Brandon's a little bit more to ask what they can do. And you don't think about that stuff because you're so obsessed with whatever. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, stats are very important, but if I'm sitting next to somebody who just Googled a number about that person, I don't really care. That's easy for me to find. I just want you to fall in love with the game itself, the entertaining factors, or, you know, you see, Jesus Aguilar, he's gonna be, he changed his, his stance a little bit. And if that works, I can say I talked to him about it and it's helping him because of this X, Y, and Z. You can refer to those numbers, but that's not everything.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And kind of digging into your career a little bit. I mean, you were doing like some some customer service and some HR before getting into baseball. So when you when you decided like, okay, we're this uh, full send like baseball time, like was that terrifying for you to just like, you know, I don't know how it worked that maybe you could tell me if you like dropped everything and then started baseball, like, because okay. that sounds horrible that it doesn't sound horrible it sounds terrifying. It was I can't terrifying. imagine like ditching like, maybe a comfortable job ish, yeah. and then like going into like your dream or like trying to get to your dream like it seems like there's a lot there to, to lose. <laughs>
1: You know, and you're a college student. So I don't want to like scare you, but I dropped out of college because I was just sick of it. I was like, I'm not going to learn anything here, but I was working for the federal government, the Bureau of Land Management. And I just remember sitting there and um, I loved my job, but I felt like I was peaking. And like I said, it's a government job. So I was set for life, great benefits. My pay was good. They were helping me with my school. And I remember coming in that day and I was like, I need to like quit. I can't do this anymore. I think I'm just gonna like quit, move to the Bay Area and work in sports media. Mind you, if my future children ever did that, I would freak out because my mother was not okay with it. My mother got me the job. It was supposed to be a summer internship, but I stayed there. And I mentioned, you know, paying for school. So I came in and I took my morning break, sat with my boss and said, this is my two weeks I'm quitting. And she's like, why don't you just take a couple hours, like go eat on your lunch break and come back. So I went on my lunch break and I just remember being so stressed. And I thought, why am I stressed because I'm making this decision, or am I stressed that I'm not gonna go through with it? And I'm telling myself I'm gonna be stressed because I don't, I can't live this life anymore. Like I, I live in Reno, my family's here, but like I, I'm destined to be an A's reporter, mind you. Back in the day, I told my father I was going to do that as we left a baseball game. We can revisit that later. But I just knew I was like, I couldn't, I wouldn't be okay with my life if I just settled. And that's every aspect of my life. So I quit. And then two weeks later, I moved to the Bay Area. And I had to do a lot of odd jobs to get through it. And I was blogging on the side. Um, It was the most terrifying and smartest decision and best decision I've ever made.
0: Your mom interpreted it as an awful announcement. No, I can't. That was horrible. Oh,
1: no, don't do that. <laughs> that
0: was horrible. I just ruined it. All the I,
1: I also appreciated that. Yes. <laughs> she she was devastated, but later on, like she understood, because, you know, I wasn't just leaving my job. I was leaving my family back there and um, that was tough for her. I just remember her being so devastated and obviously she's happy for me now and really, really proud of me. Um, And I also know what my journey was very, it was selfish, but in a good way. And I also didn't have like a husband or kids to worry about. So if I was making like $20,000 a year, I could blame myself. You know what I mean? So I didn't have to worry about like all of that extra stuff. And I was like, I'm not going to do it now. I'm never going to do it. And I'm, I'm so glad that I did.
0: And she could say like, Oh, my daughter's on TV. Like tell her all of her friends. I
1: will say though, the first time I was on TV, she, she called me and she goes, can I cuss on this?
0: Yes, go for it. She goes, Who the I fuck? I welcome was- it.
1: She goes, Who the fuck was that? And I was like, What are you talking about? She goes, Well, I saw you on TV, but it didn't sound like you. I was being too reportery. And it wasn't like I was talking about AJ Puck's injury, right? I was talking about like a fun ish story. And my mom was like, You sounded good, but it felt like I was watching like a news channel. And I was like, I get where you're coming from. So I needed to hear that from her. But I know when to be like, AJ Puck is, you know, having some setbacks with an elbow injury as opposed to like, Dalton Jeffries got to live out his moment, starting um, at Oracle Park, and his family was in the crowd. Like, there's two different ways you can do it, but that was a funny thing too. She's like, "Yeah, you, great, you you looked great, but you sounded weird." So I'm glad she told me that because then I was like, "Why am I trying to be somebody that I'm not?" So that helped too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I know baseball is kind of like a family thing for you. I know your dad was a Little League president. Uh, and he, he you touched
1: did a, your homework. I will it. not
0: go into one of these without like, you know, doing my due diligence, but, that. um, dad was a little league president he touched a lot of people in, in the community that you grew up. Um, and, and you played baseball with the boys. I so did. like that, that was like your thing. So, and now like you're looking and you're seeing a lot more girls say like enough with the softball, we're sticking yeah. with baseball. Yes. What, what do you think when you see girls like on like the 16 U national teams or getting scholarships to play baseball in college? Like, is that just like a, like, yes, like yes moment after all those years of playing with the boys?
1: I'm jealous first and foremost, because I didn't have those opportunities, but once I let that go aside, hell to the, yeah, I think it's amazing because It's, it was one thing, like I had to quit playing baseball because when I went to high school and tried to try out for the team, the head coach of the team said, well, you have softball and it wasn't like basketball or football, where it was the same across both genders, it just, or multiple genders. But I, I didn't think that that made sense because not only did I have to learn how to hit again, I had to go back to a smaller field. went from Babe Ruth back to a standard little league size softball field. And then I had to make all my all new best friends. So I had best friends playing baseball since I was seven or eight. You get into high school, we were already trying to fit in. I was just like a tomboy. I didn't like being girly. And I'm learning, I'm like meeting all these new people and you have to develop chemistry. So you're good on that team. So it was, a, it was like a very traumatic experience for me. And, and the cool part was, was, I'm, I mean, I'm glad I did it. Cause my, I had like phenomenal defensive skills that I think, I don't think I would have been as good if I started with softball I also didn't even know it existed you know um but now now that that's passed you know I I'm on the board for baseball for all making sure that girls can continue to play baseball if they want to I don't think I I don't think it'll be a situation where I mean I think times are changing maybe we will have our first female MLB player But I do think that we're for sure going to end up having a professional girls league in the near future. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be MLB equivalent, but you know, we have people managing teams, like legit, legitly managing. I think of Veronica Alvarez, who's in our organization, who's phenomenal. And just an amazing woman to have around. And um, you know, Rachel Baklavec, of course, she comes to mind. We have managers that are doing it. And it's just like, you know, and I talked to Brandon Crawford about this when Alyssa Nakin got hired. He was just like, yeah, so, and not in a mean way. He was like, women, yeah, like, I think if she is deserved of the job, she deserves to be here. It's not a big deal. And not taking it away from the fact that she was a woman. He's like, so, she deserves to be here. And I loved hearing that. And it's stuff like that. And it's more welcoming it's not as awkward or weird to see women just walking around and not too long ago, I wasn't allowed in the clubhouse. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's from that perspective and the mentality for a girl who's played baseball is so different from one that didn't. And, um and, and I mean that beyond just being around the guys in the clubhouse, like I work in an industry that's very male dominated And I often forget that it's not the norm that I shouldn't be there, but I also like, don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's, I deserve to be there. You deserve to be there. My paycheck says I deserve to be there. And, you know, we deal with a lot of pushback, but like, I think that's how a lot of people deal with everything in life. So I definitely know that those women deserve to be there and that's cool to, to hear because it's not it's no longer going to be like a PR stunt. Like, oh, okay, and it sucks that we live in a society that our mentality goes there. So I'm hoping that narrative can be washed out very soon.
0: Absolutely. And and yesterday we're recording this on February 2nd, by the way. And yesterday was uh, Women in Sports Day. Yes, Women and Girls on Sports Day. So it was a big day. And so when you log on Twitter and you see you know, millions of people tag, not millions, but millions of people (laughs) should, but you know, a few dozen people tagging you. I mean, that's got to feel good, right?
1: You know, it does, but I'd rather them share my work, you know, and I, and I think it's important. And I, and I tweeted that I said, I'm so appreciative that you're thinking of me on this day, but you know, retweet one of my articles, you know, show up to a show. Um, If you saw, you know, a woman managing a game, go to the game and pay for your own ticket and buy, you know, like, that's how we need to be supported because it's, and, and not like I said, like, oh, I want to go watch her because she's a girl or she's good for a girl. Like we're just good. But I, I thought it was very amazing. But I also think that there's other ways to appreciate women. Like I said, sharing our work or, um, you know, get pay them the monetary value that they deserve and all of that. Um, so I think just tagging people is only the beginning of how you can be an ally to us.
0: And it, one of the people that I've gotten kind of to get to know a little bit, uh, in the uh, sports media, who's a real up and comer and, and th- this name's going to bring a smile to your face. Sonia Chen was on the podcast oh! not too long ago. I mean,
1: uh, so I don't want to be like girly about it, but she's phenomenal. Yes,
0: she is absolutely phenomenal. And she I was think...
1: defined as a prodigy by the way. And I did not disagree
0: she's the goat she's doing like bylines for associated press she's getting printed in newspapers everywhere she's like so shout out to sonia who i know is is listening to this because she speaks very highly of you i'm telling you that right she speaks very highly of you i think it might have been mentioned in in her episode but when you see kind of a young woman like that like trying to enter into the field and you see her and obviously you got to know her too what is that like relationship and that bond mean how do you approach that do you see someone like oh okay this is a new face I want to approach myself she's a young woman trying to make it like I did what is that kind of relationship like when you see someone young like that trying to break through
1: for me you know and she was at the Coliseum it's for me it's just like I want to make sure she knows her way around um just because the Coliseum can be tricky and I've gotten lost at Oracle Park before like you know but the best part about meeting Sonia was Like she, like it, she, she is so confident asking questions and there are questions that does that deserve to be asked. And she writes so quickly about it. And I think it was more or less just like making sure she knows I have her back. Um, And it's not just because she's a girl and, and I'm a girl, but I just genuinely can tell that not only is she damn good at her job, she just has a good soul. And I love those people. And, you know, Janie McCauley, who is a dear friend of mine and phenomenal, you know, when she tells you take care of somebody, you listen to Janie and she mentioned, you know, take care of Sonia. And I just love seeing her in in the press box. And she has a good sense of humor too. Cause you know, me, I tend to like not be totally a hundred percent serious about, I'm barely serious about this stuff. Let's just be honest. Her and I will tweet the same thing and I'll shout her out around over in the press box, you know, like great minds think alike. And I feel like we don't have a lot of that as far as women goes, because there's always competition and I've been guilty of it. I've been very territorial and I've been jealous of women um, that I feel like we're trying to step on my toes. And most of the time they're not, I'm just insecure in that regard. Um, and so she never made me feel uncomfortable or threatened and helps me when I needed, I would like needed to find out when uh, Buck Showalter had his availability and she helped me with that and just, She's amazing. I need to get with her. Her and I need to have drinks soon. But yeah, no, I literally love her. She's fantastic. And
0: her job is like her current job is like it's a lot because you're you're covering a new team. Each time a new team comes into the Bay Area and you gotta figure you gotta coordinate it with the beat writer that like didn't make the trip or whatnot. So it, it's very tough. So shout out
1: to Sonia. and she did it so seamlessly. Yeah. And 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 I hope people understand that too. Like when you're a beat reporter, you're following that team 24-7. I don't know, not 365, but for eight, nine months at a time. And she becomes a stringer so she has to you know do the blue jays sometimes and the giants sometimes the yankees i think she did for a little bit which i'm just so proud of her that's a really big team to cover and she did it phenomenally and like it's so hard to do because as a beat writer you see things that the normal media doesn't i'm talking behind the scenes on the road things that you would not as a normal media consumer understand. And she just did it so beautifully. I remember, I think it was the Mets or maybe the Marlins that she was covering for. And it was like, she was there the entire time. Like she, it felt like she was a beat writer following that team the entire time. And that's so hard to emulate.
0: Yeah. Just wanted to shout her out. And I guess while we're at it too, we mentioned it shout out to, uh, two people that have been on this show before taylor worth and fp santangelo jr oh my
1: gosh my boys yes (laughs) yes
0: they don't deserve
1: deserve any more attention though let's move on
0: all right moving on uh (laughs) sorry guys um Kim Ang was someone that you got to interview, and it's your pin tweet, and that Why are you obviously trying to
1: make me like cry <laughs> over all these amazing people. No, you're, but you're right. I I come across some amazing people, yeah,
0: yeah. And that's your pin tweet, and it's your pin yeah. tweet for a reason. You that's said that true. it's like someone that you really like, you've always wanted to interview, um, and you know she's she's been there for probably a few years now. What was that like, kind of getting to interview her?
1: Um, I'm gonna bring Tony Kemp up because I remember I. I've interviewed Joey Votto before. I've met Mike. Tra- I met like a lot of big names, and I remember being so nervous. I emailed the Marlins, and then I introduced myself to the PR guy, and he happened to be standing next to Kim Ang. and I was like, "Hey, can I interview you?" And I was like really nervous to the point where I think I was like uncomfortable, like I was just saying weird stuff. And the next day, I got the interview, and I was standing in the A's clubhouse because I needed to grab somebody to talk to, and as Tony's walking in. I, he hears me say like, oh, I'm super nervous. And he said, what are you nervous about? And I was like, I'm meeting Kim. I'm interviewing Kim Ang. And he was like, so same thing, like with Brandon Crawford and Alyssa Knack. And he's like, oh, you're going to go interview somebody like that's your job. And I was like, but it's Kim M F N Ang. And he's like, so, and my thing was, I've written about Kim Ang for the last six years, almost getting the GM job with the Padres, almost getting this in the running. She was almost the next Farhan Zaidi. So it was like these types of things, like the fact I didn't have to write an almost story about her was amazing. And then I remember like I interviewed her and I was very cool, calm and collected. It doesn't matter who I meet, like, you know, I'm a big Joey Votto fan. I remained so professional when I met him. And with her, it was the same thing. And but I kind of stumbled when I left. I was just like, I, I thank you if I ever need it. Thank you. It was just like really weird. But also, I made sure I was a professional the entire time, and it was cool to pick her brain because obviously she was a part of the big Jesus Lazardo trade, bringing Starling Marte over the A's. I was genuinely curious about that trade because I remember thinking, "Let's go, Mama." Not only did she get Jesus Lazardo, but she got you know money in the deal as well. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking, like, how did you come across that? And um, it's a really tough organization, you know, to run. And I didn't give a chance to ask her about the home run tro- statue, which I should have done. Um, but it was just one of those things that I got to mark off. And and then also I got to tell Eric Chavez, he's the reason I'm an A's reporter. Um, and I got to do both of those things. And I made sure to to talk to my boss that day and say, thank you for the opportunity to not only not just Kim Eng, but Eric Chavez like that. I felt like my dad was there and he passed away when I was 19. So it was just really cool that I had that moment. And Eric Chavez couldn't have been more amazing about it. Cause he's, his mentality is like, I play baseball, but it's not who I am. And he made sure to like, talk to me about it. And I actually got to, that was a beautiful, I'm just going to tell you the story, screw it. So i he made the A's hall of fame. So we were going to honor him during when the Mets were in town because he was the Mets hitting coach and we had scrum with him, but I was, I I didn't, I was nervous. I didn't have a chance to, I want people to know I don't get nervous often, but the two times I got nervous this season was Eric Chavez and Kim and so we finished and everybody's like, are you going to go talk to him? I was like, no, I don't want to bother him. So he's under the tunnel um, and I happened to go wanting to be leaving the tunnel to go to the dugout. And I was like, Jessica, grow a couple and fucking go talk to him. And I did. And I was like, Hey, it's nice to meet you. Mind you, it's the longest story that I've had in my mind for about 20 years. Right. And I was like, okay, Jess, you have to t- tell him this story in 25 seconds. So I did. I was like, I was like, Hey, I'm Jessica. I'm the team re- one of the team reporters. I just want to let you know, you're one of the reasons I'm here. And he goes, what do you mean by that? And I said, I was like, when I was 12, you hit a home run. I saw we were sharing the same birthday. We were driving home and I told my father, I'm going to be an A's reporter one day. And you were the reason. And he was like, thank you so much for telling me. He's so genuine. He was like, thank you so much for telling me that. Thank you for pulling me aside. I really loved hearing that. And it was like, you know, I'm constantly reminded these people are humans constantly. But in that moment when I was 11 or 12 and watching him hit a home run, playing third base, us sharing the same birthday, me switching from first to third base that week. And then not to mention in center field was Mark Kotze, who at the the time resided in Reno where I'm from. And now Kotze is my manager. It's like all these beautiful moments that reminded me why I do what I do. And I finally, you know, I got to text my little brother and said, I got to tell Eric Chavez, the story. And it was the story that everybody in my family knew. And I, you know, and I tell the story, I told the story for the last five years of my career and I got to tell Eric that. And it was just Mm -hmm. so bomb. And it was just like one of those, those things that like, all right, like this is, this is meant to be.
0: Yep. I've arrived. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and there's no great way to make this segue, but I'm going to make it anyways. Um, I agree with you on the ballpark proposals <laughs> I, i'm like so down on them every night like I, i'm there and like it's it, it's it's tiresome in my mind yeah. just like it's there it's so uncomfortable to, yeah to everybody there except the people that are in the background like in that section they're like this is great but to everybody else it's like uncomfortable like it's probably even uncomfortable to the person getting proposed to yeah, just- you're
1: doing it in front of in front of a bunch of strangers which is one thing but you're interrupting the game secondly Mm. however lately having work now that i work for the a's Mm. it's like they get paid to put that stuff sometimes in the jumbotron i think it's cool birthday messages are great but it's also just and people are like oh are you bitter because like you don't have a ring nobody's proposed to you like no that's Mm. not why i'm bitter it's quite the opposite. That's I love, love. That's
0: horrible. Somebody would say that to you. I
1: know, but I love love. I love love so yeah. much. I think you shouldn't make a mockery of it in front of a bunch of people at at a game.
0: Yeah, do it somewhere else. Like yeah. I mean, it, it's it's almost like it. So it's no longer like in a maybe the first or second time it's like wow at a baseball game really. For but sure. now it's or like
1: the first time it was ever done, like that's cute. That's super yeah. cute. Yeah. But I think knowing my boyfriend, he's going to troll me and like <laughs> pretend like fake proposed to me and I will ruin him.
0: Yeah, there you go. That's all I would too. But it, it's such an unoriginal idea, like at this yeah. point. So uh I had to I had to step in and and, and bring that up uh, unfortunately. It's okay. Uh, Thank you
1: for getting it being quick about it, getting out of the way. Same with the FP and Taylor Worth shout outs. They deserve yeah. a little attention in Who? That- thank you good good call good
0: call Uh, a few more things here before we wrap uh the Giants signed Sean Mania this offseason I know there's a lot of people that listen that uh, are big Giants fans and uh, I'm a big Sean
1: Mania fan his birthday his birthday was yesterday
0: yeah happy birthday Sean Mania. and I was gonna ask what are the Giants getting in Sean Maniah? because from what I heard he's a great clubhouse guy he's a great energy to be around Uh, but what what kind of player and person are they getting
1: you you pretty much mentioned it. The thing I love about Sean was a he's an amazing interview. He's very patient. He was on all A's with me, which means I get to annoy them for about 20 minutes. And he was very calm throughout the entire process. Um, he'll have a different hairdo pretty much every week, which is always fun. He did cornrows at one point. He did the fro, he'll color it a different, you know, color. Um, my all-time favorite thing, and you know, I got to watch him, it's a memory I'll never forget. It was the 2019 al or the wild the al wild card game raise a's we were hosting shamanaya had a terrible game and this was back before you know when the wild card game was only one game <laughs> you know mm-hmm. so you effed up you were done and um it was obviously the, the, the after the game and the a's had lost he was sitting in the clubhouse and they were serving steak and pasta and where it was Chris Davis and Sean Mania, Sean wouldn't touch his food. He just looked and was spaced out and he just struggled with that. And with that struggle, like he went to Thailand, he took like a trip for himself and wanted to figure out like, you know, who he was as a person and as a player. And that's a really big stage, not to mention we broke the wild card attendance record with like 55,000 plus fans. One of the coolest moments I've ever gotten to cover And it just was a a shifting moment for him. It was a maturing moment for him. And this is a very laid back guy who, you know, he threw a no hitter. You know what he was doing the entire time through that no hitter? Talking to his teammates, not being all like old school about it. He was talking to people in the dugout. People were like, dude, you're throwing a no, no, shut up. He's like, no, I just, that's what I am. You're a freaking nature if you're doing that. So he always puts his teammates first. You're always going to get a good mic'd up moment from him he is so like he connects with the catchers very well which is always very important especially coming from a team like the A's or the Padres but before that with the A's where it was a lot of young catchers and he made them really comfortable and then of course if you're throwing a Sean Murphy you're you're golden um when he's on it, he's very much on it. He has like a really unique delivery, um, some funky stuff. I don't know if he has any new pitches in his um, repertoire quite yet, but overall, you're getting a phenomenal guy. He's happy be back in the Bay Area. His girlfriend is from Oakland, so she gets to return home as well. I get to see her now again. She's phenomenal. Talat, shout out to Talat, who's like a real one. So it's a really, it's a not, not only just an amazing sign and I'm glad it was a two-year deal as well because um, he deserves it. But um, I think he can bring some more fun into that clubhouse. I'm not saying it's not a fun clubhouse. Mind you, I'm used to an A's clubhouse and the Giants, they're very calm, serene. It's always dry. There's like candles lit in the clubhouse and he'll he'll bring some more fun to it. So you guys are getting a really amazing guy.
0: Well, that's good to hear. And the no-hitter anecdote reminded me of Tim Lincecum was throwing, I believe, like his second no-hitter or first no-hitter, and he sat down in the dugout and went up to somebody and said, so, you know, I'm binging Dexter. And it's <laughs> like the other guy was like, what? What's yeah, wrong with you? That's
1: you what don't... Shamanaya would do. He would literally just be like, I had this hot dog the other day, and it was just really good. Like, he would say stuff <laughs> like that, yeah.
0: Yeah, so that's awesome. Anyways, um, last thing here. I mean, what what do we expect from the 2022 A's? uh our 2023 A's. We were like, I can tell you
1: what I expected out of
0: (laughs) what do we expect for uh, for this upcoming year and uh give us some maybe predictions or, or headlines to look out for.
1: You know, I will say I think the signing of Jace Peterson is going to be a bigger deal than people are are talking about. Not to mention it's a two year deal. And I think about Chris Davis when he signed that two year extension, people were like, oh it's just two years. It's kind of like a Hollywood couple scenario where it like when Reese Witherspoon and Ryan Phillippe broke up after 10 years, that's pretty much a lifetime. So the fact that we gave somebody a two-year deal, like makes me just personally happy as somebody just that I could just get comfortable with and used to. Jace Peterson's very much a Tony Kemp mentality, not just in the clubhouse, but a utility guy as well. Plus they had to kind of fill the void of Chad Pinder after he went to free agency. Um, Jesus Aguilar, I mentioned he's changed up his swing a little bit very we really craved a dh slash first base guy that we haven't had in a while well matt olson but he you know rarely was the dh because his gold glove status we needed him out Mm -hmm. in the field so that'll be interesting to see seth brown he had a really strong power outing toward the end of last season i called him underappreciated he's underappreciated from a global perspective on the bigger scope of things, but David Forrest, our GM, corrected me saying he's not underrated to us, which was good to hear. Really genuinely pissed off that I can no longer interview Colt Irvin, but it's going to be really cool to see what Fuji brings to the table. Um, We got to cover a lot of the Angels games last year. The Japanese media came out to Shohei Otani outings, and it'll be good to have more eyes on Fuji and to see Fuji go up against Otani is going to be great. Um, and Fuji had his opening, uh, I guess, talk to us all in English, which I thought was really beautiful. Um, and yeah, you know, a lot of younger guys that we get to look out for, I don't know how, what the ETA of like the Tyler Soderstrom's of the world are going to be, but, you know, I have a lot of faith. Nick Allen is definitely a star in the making, uh, playing at shortstop. Uh, Ramon Loriano is one of the best baseball players, period. He just doesn't get enough attention, Um, and yeah, I think there's going to be some cool stuff happening. Um, hopefully we don't lose as many games as we did last season, but you know, that's neither here nor we can't do a lot about that. Um, but you know, I'm actually pretty impressed with what we did in the off season. I love the Aguilar signing, um, Diaz. That's a great signing as well. I mentioned Jace Peterson, Trevor May. Oh my gosh. You know how much fun I'm going to have with Mm. him. So it's just stuff like that. Um, and, and, and even having Trevor on that, um, and that pitching squad's going to be great as well. So there's, there's a lot of fun storylines to cover. And if you don't know any of those storylines, I can help you out with that, but you know, don't be so quick to judge that losing or winning record, what have you, because um, it's like the best group of guys I've ever gotten to work with and they're phenomenal. And it's the, I will say the cool thing about the A's, it's like the seasons of opportunities lately. If Jace Peterson was on the market, maybe he would have signed a minor league deal elsewhere. Um, Aguilar, same thing. Fuji's a Boris client. Like, we're going to get a lot of beautiful Japanese media to cover that. And there was so much media at his welcoming. And we don't really have press conferences anymore. I think it's been since Chris Davis' extension. Or, well, I guess Ioannis Cespedes. He was the last free agent signing that we had a conference for. And just stuff like that, you know? And, you know, Bob Melvin, every every time he's in town, he still loves himself, the A's, and it's a very historical place. Um, yeah, so I think it's going to be a really fun season, not just for me, but for a lot of the fans, because um, we did make some pretty decent signings. I know, was it the Athletic that graded them lately? I think the Giants got like a D, right?
0: Rightly so, C-minus, I think.
1: The A's <laughs> got ac plus, I believe. So mm-hmm. it's just, you know yeah i was i was very impressed with the jace peterson signing don't get me wrong so i think and that's like the the quest essential a's player utility guy consistent can come off the bench if needs to if he needs to and all of that but yeah it's gonna be fun
0: yeah and it's gonna be a fun especially in a fun division too so that's oh, also be...
1: and shout out to johnny doskow he's our yes. new radio guy
0: yes like i was a member
1: of my family and Yeah, I'm I'm
0: excited about that. He's he's good. I was there during his debut, and like when I was leaving, he was we were in the tunnel, and he was like, "Hey, do you know where the bunker is?" Because KNBR was going to do an interview, so I had to show him like where Adam Copeland was and everything in the bunker. So yeah, congrats to Johnny Doscow and. Jess, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on. This was a blast. And, uh, hopefully this, uh, is at the top of your favorite podcast list that you've ever done.
1: It's the the best podcast I've done today. So (laughs) there you
0: go. (laughs) There you go. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. You guys could follow uh, Jess on Twitter at KleinschmidtJD. Go check her out. Go check her out. Also on Awful Announcing, uh, She's also on the comeback, awful announcing as well. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And the AIDS
1: radio network.
0: And the A's radio network, exactly. She'll be a part of the, the coverage all year long. So it should be a blast to see her. And of course, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. And also Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out. Thank you for listening and have a great day.